Hey, everybody. Ed Carbohol here with Matt Hawkins. Coast to Coast Combat Hour brought to you by AllAccessMMA.com. Make sure you check out All Access MMA for your mixed martial arts news. This week, we hit the trifecta, the living death trifecta, as we're joined by uh, uh, homeboy Ant Walker from – I've known Ant from Sure Dog. We met working together at Sure Dog from our, our time there, and, and – now you do the uh, the Living Death podcast that's stealing Matt from this show. What's up, Matt? I mean, what's up, man? <laughs> what's going on, Ed? What's up, Matt? I'm happy to be here. It's been a long time coming to get me on this show. We've had all sorts of scheduling issues for like two years at least. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very happy we finally get it done. The trio, me, Ben, and Jay, have been here now. Both of you guys mm-hmm. have been on my show. Both of you guys will be back on plenty of more times, and we'll just keep it rolling. Cool. Well, your show is a real, uh, you know, you got all everything scheduled and you're real organized. We kind of just freestyle it a little bit yeah. here. Um, and when we have guests on, we like to kind of uh, use the opportunity to uh, give them the, the outlet to talk about what they do, how they got into the sport. Um, and, and just just kind of get to know, let our listeners get to know you personally so that they can, uh, you know, get to know you when they want to listen to your podcast. So I guess my first question that I generally ask would be, uh, you know, what, what got you started in MMA, um, age wise, how did you get into it? Um, were you into boxing prior? Uh, just what, what was your general feel that got you going in in the fight world? To make a, an extremely long story short enough for a digestible bit on a podcast. Um, my, my foray into like combat sports actually came through pro wrestling, but it was more so my disappointment when I found out it wasn't real. And, my family, especially the dad's side of the family, are, are boxers and into boxing and stuff. So that's like a family tradition. Everybody is trained at a boxing gym at some point, and everyone watched boxing. So I grew up watching Pernell Whitaker and Roy Jones and everybody like that. But I remember watching pro wrestling as a kid and thinking it was the best thing ever. And I thought the Ultimate Warrior was just like a superhero and the Undertaker and everybody. I was I was obsessed. Mm. And then when I found out that it was scripted combat, they weren't (laughs) actually fighting. I think I was like eight or nine or something. I was so, so devastated that I finally decided to look at boxing with a a closer eye. And that's how that began. Then that turned into me liking Bruce Lee movies and Mm -hmm. Kung Fu flicks and everything. And when MMA came out, I I was hooked. So, of course, for everybody that that moment you all remember is the tough finale. And that's probably the the moment where it was like, yeah, I'm certified like an official diehard fan of this now. Mm. Before then, I watched uh, I watched MMA and enjoyed it, but not like I did after that point. Yeah, I think that was like a, a turning point for a lot of people. Um, I mean, that's how you got into the sport. But like just to kind of piggyback off of Matt's question, what made you want to do the media side of things? I mean, I, I personally, I, I don't know if I've. I think I told the story on your podcast. I know I like I fell into it by accident, but like what made you like, because I mean, you know, a lot of folks like to throw the word journalist around in, in the MMA media space. I am not one of them, but um, when I, when I think about folks that, that do a good job of, of, of when they do write and, and cover the sport, you're one of the ones that come to mind. You ask the right questions. I think uh, when, when you get to when you especially when you uh, when you get the opportunities to ask the right questions like you did, you were you and Matt were on, on, in uh, boots on the ground at Bellator 290. Um, so like what made you want to do that much more getting involved with the sport? Much like you, I kind of fell into it. So mm. the, the first step was me training like I was I was thinking about trying to take a fight and I, and I'm training hard. And I'm like, I, I, I've set up a new schedule for my job and for everything. I was like, all right, I'm gonna make sure I'm training twice a day. I'm gonna be ready by this date. I'm gonna take a fight end up breaking my leg about a week into my mm-hmm. new schedule. And so, so was that, but I, I miss like training. I miss like martial arts in general. So I started writing for bleacher report just to pass time. It was before bleacher report came like a legitimate outlet and anybody could write for him. So I was one of the anybody's (laughs) and I I did a few articles. And then once I started working again, my schedule just, it, it just made it hard to take the time to write and wasn't getting paid anyway. So I didn't really care a whole lot. Fast forward to some years later, I moved to California I was really just like lonely 
and I wanted someone to talk about fights with <laughs> a, a buddy that I that I just met. We we'd like fights and we'd like to talk about them. So I said, hey, let's start a podcast. We started the podcast and it caught the attention of Sherdog Radio. And that's that's how I ended up there. So when the radio network in its original inception was uh, was defunded, that's when I, I made the, the switch to writing and, and reporting. I've, I've stated on the show that I, I you know, I, I I do media because I do this podcast, but I am I'm in this for the fan side and I have some writing I'm really proud of, but I don't really consider myself a writer. I'm not I'm not it, it's hard for me to do. Um, it's hard for me to put my words on paper. Um, I don't have the the college background of of writing like Ed does. And um, did you have any of that, or was it something where one day you just started scribbling on paper and and it you just took well to it? A, a little bit of both, actually. I have always enjoyed writing. I've always liked creativity. So I, as a kid, I used to write short stories. Like when I was seven, I wrote a sequel to Gremlins, which still I say is the shit like I, I gotta find it so i think my grandmother has it somewhere stashed up but like i i used to i used to write stuff just for fun and used to make my own comic books and and all that as as a kid so being creative was always something that i had in mind i, I did music i was a rapper and everything so writing was just normal mm-hmm. um but but i went to college i didn't finish my degree but i went to college for journalism so I did get some, you know, some training in reporting. And, you know, I wrote for the Howard University student paper for a little bit. And, you know, and then once once the the radio thing uh, with Sherdog sort of dried up in, in that form, I, you know, I was like, well, I do like this stuff. I want to stay involved. Like, so can I write? And, you know, Mike Fridley let me and then I just kept writing. And then I, I realized, oh, actually, I'm OK at this. But then it was also I had this horrible, horrible imposter syndrome. So mm. when I originally used to just do an op-ed a week, I would obsess over what am I going to write about? Like I'd mm. write something and I'd be like this sigh of relief. And I'm like, I'm proud of what I did. I turn it in and then it gets published and, you know, I get some some decent reception off of it. And I always think, I don't think I could do that again. And I would do this every week, like mm. torture myself with this every week. And then finally, I just my wife was just like, just shut up. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I shut up and I kept writing. So. Yeah, that's crazy because I didn't even know that about you. Because so, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that that would be the case. I mean, I know, I know, um, you know, you've you've left me with a couple of mic drop moments when we spoke in in real time. That I'm just that kind of helped me kind of steer myself in a, in away from getting imposter syndrome and anything, just because you know talking about just focusing on what you enjoy doing in your own life more than than the, the business itself. Because as we've seen. The state of MMA media now it's 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 a little uh, it's a little funny out there. But uh, well, yes. before we <laughs> we're gonna get into that in a minute. Uh, but uh, but um, one of the things is I didn't know you had been doing podcasting from that far back that long with the Sure Dog Radio days. Um, like you said, the original inception of it. Um, so I remember. I, again, I'm getting over COVID, so my mind's not all there. I forgot because I know I was on the podcast the first time under the name that you used to call it and now it's it's called the living death show but um what was it called before because i I don't remember and where did you get get the current name from so it was i mean see it it went through a a few versions um without revealing too much behind the curtain like it's something that me and you can talk about you know off, off the record yeah. Um. It was originally called Off the Chain, and it was just a play on the the dog yeah. logo for Sure Dog. Yeah. Then that lasted on Sure Dog for like, like a couple months, if that. Mm. Um, and without you know that we'll talk later about yeah. how. But then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so then things we like. Okay, we're gonna move this over to my uh, YouTube channel, the Walkout Network, and that's when we called it Unleashed. Once again, sort of playing off of that. And after yeah. a while, like we, we got comfortable with that. Like we, we made all the graphics and all that right. stuff. And, and we're just, we were comfortable with it. And it was, it, it's fun. It, it was a fun show to do. And, and it's something that, um, that I look forward to every week. But then we got to a point where we're like, well, this, this name kind of sucks. And, and this is, this is a long time of us doing this at this point. We're like, wow, this, this name yeah. really sucks. And, <laughs> and like, that's just such a typical name for MMA. Let's, let's do something a little better than that. And we we brainstormed a few ideas, and then it was then it became the Living Death Show, and that was because of the um, the Tito and and Ken Shamrock press conference when uh when he told Tito he was going to beat him into a living death. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that I didn't know that, but that's, yeah. that's and I wish 
I wish I knew that you were going to ask me that question, right? Because there was one name that I really liked. I, I don't know if it was me or Jay that came up with that name, but it was horribly, horribly sexually graphic. And it was fantastic. And that's the name I wanted. But then they were like, come on, come on, fam. Like, I know how you are, but let's let's chill. So I was yeah. like, all right, we'll chill. Um, but that but that name, I wish I could share it with you right now because I, I just don't remember it. But I'll, I'll dig it up and then. I'll share it with you at some point. Yeah, you had me on the first time. It was still Unleashed. That's why I was—I was, couldn't remember Unleashed. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I love the—you know—the name of your show, obviously based off of the UFC 40 uh, <laughs> uh, pre-fight press conference. But then just recently, I mean, I don't know if you even talked about it much on your show. Uh, Jay uh, Petri had reached out to uh, Kaposa uh, Grabaka Hitman on Twitter about trying to track down uh, who was this mystery corner man for Ken Shamrock in all of his fights. And, uh, and, and Kaposa reached out to me knowing, knowing my background in the sport uh, behind the scenes. So we spent like a whole day basically just hmm. investigating. I mean, I went through <laughs> stuff. I found people that had the same name as his brother who looked just like the guy, but wasn't him. And then when it broke it down, it turned out it was his doctor and his anesthesiologist. So it really, <laughs> and, and that, and that's what I pointed out to to uh, to Kaposa and Jay. I said, I said, well, when he said I'm going to put you beat you into a living death, he actually had a corner man that did that essentially for a living. Like so he was, it, he was speaking in medical <laughs> terms, I guess. Like that's. <laughs> It's that's just, actually it, hilarious of all the of all the things that could have uh, he could have been for it to be that with that saying that not only was the name of your podcast but was kind of a running joke for a decade on on mma forums um it, it was just outstanding um so what uh, if you had to pick one thing in media writing podcasting covering live events uh what what's your favorite what's your favorite aspect or is that even too hard of a question to ask it it's a hard question to ask, but I'm glad you asked it because I've, I question that myself a lot of times. So I, I essentially have kind of taken whatever opportunities present themselves to me right now. Opportunities aren't plentiful in in, in this space, <laughs> at least opportunities that, that will help you pay the bills. Um, so, it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of taking what I can get at the moment. However, if I had to pick, I I like I like being in front of the mic. I like just talking and and. and saying things out like that because it allows for a lot more leeway i think when you write something you're gonna go really in depth you're at least i like i like to investigate a lot so i'm i'm digging through all sorts of research like when i'm writing those mma on point scripts that i do now i mean i'm doing a ton of research into every little line and and if even if it's just like a little just a little sliver of information and i can turn into a sarcastic joke i'll take it like i'll i'll take whatever i can find but talking about it is a lot different because I think when you're talking in it, mm -hmm. um, it, it's like this real time development of the thought. It's this real time development of your opinion. And um, and then when you talk to like minded people. I'm talking to you guys and plenty of times that we've done podcasts together and you guys will say something that like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. And then that changes the whole way I go about it. Like writing in and of itself is such a uh, it's, it's such a solo journey, it, very similar to martial arts in a way. Like you're the only one who's going to step on the mat and do what you got to do. You're the only one putting in the bag work and everything else to, to progress. And writing feels like that a lot, but I like the collaboration of talking in a mic and two people and getting feedback and, and, and everyone just trying to trying to understand one another. And we come to a deeper understanding because we're looking at these other perspectives that that's really what I enjoy. I'd love live coverage too, um, depending on how the, the media is set up for it. If, if we have good enough access to the athletes and you can ask questions that, that make sense and add something to the discussion. I love it. But talking about it with people who know what they're talking about, that's, that's number one for me, I'd say. Mm -hmm. There is a, there is like um, a difference too, when you talk about it, like me talking about it with you guys versus talking about it to some, Joe Schmo, um, you know, on the day to day that that only knows about Conor McGregor and, you know, and and uh, um, who else is out there that's like that, you know? This, oh, what's Ronda stuff? Rousey up to? Like one of those? <laughs> yeah, 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 like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just uh, those people that I'm just I, I'm just kind of like okay, you know, like like they they those are the guys. It's it's funny the 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 with the sponsor of this show, All Access MMA, Jacob De Leon. 
he came up with this this term for like UFC fans versus MMA fans. He called them the UFC stands, mm-hmm. and, and that stuck with me because when he said that, I was like, "Yeah, man, they re- it's 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 almost you know." Matt said uh, Zuffa zombie on last week's uh, podcast, <laughs> and I was just like, "You know what? I mean, even the Zuffa because if you talk about the Zuffa era, those those are still better MMA fans than like the in the current landscape of MMA." So this is leading me into what well, what I kind of uh, just touched on before, like the current state of of the business as a whole media the sport like like uh where do you where do you what do you think about it and like where do you see it going is it you know positive negative uh, i mean for, on the media side it doesn't look too good i <laughs> it, it looks it looks pretty bad i mean the good thing is this stuff usually goes in cycles mm. so um there will be an upswing at some point as far as media is concerned where opportunities might open up for people. We'll have like, we'll have like new minds coming in, adding new wrinkles to the dialect like that. That's going to happen. But right Mm -hmm. now, right now it kind of sucks. Like I I think it it more so has to do with the UFC running the the schedule that it's running when it's the dominant force in conversation, not because it's the best league out there or it has Mm -hmm. all the best talent. It's because they just run so many events you can't really think of anything else mm. um and then they their broadcast partner is espn like the the name in sports media so mm. when you have two conglomerates like that combining with like disney backing them and stuff it's it's next to impossible um when they when they are dominating so much of the media space for independent players to get in unless of course they have the access and they're on friendly terms and certain things mm-hmm. don't get talked about and whatnot mm-hmm. which why we see um you know like bloody elbow getting dropped by vox like such a, a shattering thing because that's that was like the one major outlet that was really just given the Asking free run the right to questions just, yeah. yeah to just to do what was necessary to do the th- sort of things that are going on in other sports mm. um, because you can't get away with, with so much in the NFL or the NBA or major league baseball without it turning into a scandal. Mm-hmm. You, you, you just can't. Uh, uh, but the UFC or mixed martial arts in general just isn't at that point to where it's taken seriously enough to where the journalism gets serious overall too. Mm. You know, it's, it's still, it's still sort of dominated by fandom but it's drawing in money uh, of of a of a real sport. It's it's a very strange place, but it's kind of taken all the bad elements of each part to combine it into what it is today. Do you know if there's uh you know I've heard rumors about certain uh, like you need a certain amount of followers or you need this or that to get UFC credentials. Do you know of any actual guidelines? Uh, in order to get credentialed for that that you've heard of or or do you just have no. to is it just know somebody I, or have like, a big you know I, I honestly I couldn't tell you because I was fortunate to be working at Sherdog and going to live events at a time where Sherdog wasn't banned. <laughs> so I was <laughs> you know just I, I had Sherdog on my credentials so they so they say okay approve Ant Walker and you know and I was I was there at, at events. Um I from what I understand it there is some give and take with the PR team at the UFC. I, the current PR team I'm not familiar with. I only remember mm-hmm. it's been what three years or so, three and a half years since I've been at a UFC event. Yeah. So I can't tell you who all the PR people are now, but then I know there were certain loops that you had to go through as far as the outlet being approved. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that has something to do with the amount of followers. I'm sure it has something to do with the type of content. Um, and, and then it, but then now we're seeing where like the UFC is allowing like a barstool sports or some other guys, I can't remember their names that like do goofy stuff. And they're now they're just, at they're just there. Yeah. They're just yeah, there. They're just there. They're yeah. just there with cameras. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when it, but those guys function more as PR, right? Cause they're mm-hmm. not, they're not asking any worthwhile questions. They're not contributing anything other than hyping up the event. So they, they become more of an extended PR team. And that's, and I think that's sort of where your exceptions lies. Um, if you are an extended PR team, probably you, you get a get get a pass. I, you know, at, at UFC two twenty nine, which I was fortunate enough to to cover, um, there were a lot of real media people, like real 
dedicated mixed martial arts journalists and reporters and professionals and personalities or whatever you want to call call everybody that were sitting in the media media room while everything was going on but like mm -hmm. home and garden network and mm -hmm. you know bloomingdale's or whoever the hell like these outlets that had literally nothing to do with martial arts or or, or combat sports and or sports in general were there and mm -hmm. were taking prime positioning in inside the arena like that happens i yeah yeah it's i honestly i wish there was a science to it i wish i could explain it i do know that um through my work at mma on point i know that outlet is credentialed but since the pandemic started they haven't been sending people to events like that it actually blew my shot because i was going to be the west coast guy for, for, <laughs> for that so that thanks COVID. um <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah i i do know talking to the the guys that run mma on point like there there was some back and forth about how the outlet would get credentialed and what they what was expected of them in a particular way not not necessarily you know combing through their content but you couldn't just be some some jackass off the street essentially unless you're barstool <laughs> or, you, or you got a funny name yeah you got a funny name whoever they are the funny yeah. name people yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's definitely a funny time to just, um, you know, we had, we, Nolan King was a friend of mine and, you know, he's, he's come through the trenches himself to make his way to MMA junkie. And, and, and every time we cover an event, we're, we're together, we still hang out like, you know, like it was the old days back when we were, you know, when he was still kind of like not signed with anybody or whatever. And we talk about a lot of stuff. And, and that was something that he and I brought up recently is just like, it's like, you have to have a gimmick now to 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 cover the sport and then i mean and, and some of these people just seem to get it overnight if, if they're goofy enough or funny enough or they or you know they're, they're talking about blowing fighters or whatever the hell the gimmick <laughs> is you know what i mean like there's always something yeah. weird and goofy and then the next thing you know they're sitting on a couch with with the with the hundred dollar you know podcast mics talking to fighters and dana white and stuff like that and it's like where did you come from like you weren't even watching all the stuff we talked about that got you into MMA, you you probably don't even know about it, and here you are, front and center to 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 give the the, the company more exposure. So it's just um, we talk me Matt and I talk about it a lot on this podcast, but um, um, it's just it's just crazy times. It looks like like the fandom, the fandom uh, is just going uh, it's going in a weird space, which is kind of why I cover the UFC least of all than everything else that that I do my coverage for. Um, to your point about like talking about paying, being able to pay bills, I think that's the best way. If you if you want to make any real money doing it, you have to kind of do what everyone else is not doing. I mean that that works for me, but it also it's also more enjoyable for me too. And then me, Matt and I have talked about this a lot before. So, but at, at, at <clears throat> mentioning that the UFC is the most popular, not necessarily mm -hmm. because of the product, but because mm -hmm. of the amount of output, mm -hmm. you know, that changes the news cycle on this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like when you go back, you know, even even ten, you know you go back 10 years which sounds like a lifetime to some of these kids doing it nowadays but back then like you had like a month to marinate on an event you mm -hmm. know like you could write an article two weeks after an event and it was still relevant to mm -hmm. the news cycle whereas now like uh, you know that's where i'm like i try to write something and i go well it's gonna take me three days to put something together by that time we're already gonna be talking about next weekend's event <laughs> yeah. nobody nobody wants to talk about aaron pico's fight last week mm -hmm. it was it's already passed you know and um so that and i think that also opens the doors for these people that don't have the history in the sport because the news cycle is so quick that as long as they're able to punch out you know something they can and stay on top of the news cycle then they're able to to keep up with the you know the TikTok generation and the yeah. and just 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 kicking stuff out. I do have a yeah. question. Uh, go ahead. Jump oh yeah, that. yeah. Sorry, sorry, man. Like I, I you you're kind of opening up doors in my mind here because mm -hmm. it's it's sort of I think it's a symptom of the way society is in general. Like I, I think about like album reviews, like music is kind of followed the same sort of trend. I, I don't know if you guys, Matt, you don't strike me as a big hip hop guy. Oh, I actually, actually, uh, more more than you, Matt. All I listen to, uh, but it's it, really? all, all oh. pre ninety six. Oh, I'm listening oh. to Mount West West War right now. I oh, oh, Matt, oh, we, we got to talk some more, man. Dude, I've seen I Ice T in concert, Cypress Hill. Oh my God, uh, Snoop, <laughs> Bone Thugs, uh, oh, Dog oh, oh. Pound, Warren oh, G. Oh, we, 
Oh, we, yeah. we gonna talk. We gonna I'm talk. West Coast, but yeah, okay. no, I, hey. I was, I was listening to nothing but a G thing on the basketball court when I was 11. I was so, in NWA when I was 10. So Ed, I know, <laughs> and I know, I know you're into some hip hop. So we, we, oh, yeah. we, yeah, we talked about that before, at least a little bit. So I know, I know you're familiar with with a lot of hip hop. Now, you guys remember what the Source magazine was like? Oh, how yeah. big of a deal that was. Like that was that was like that was it. I mean, they call it the Bible of hip hop for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, you got that Source magazine. It takes what like a month and a half, two months for a magazine to start from inception to print on your newsstand and you at home reading it. It takes about like a two month process to, to get all that together. And in that time, they've got the album reviews for the album that just dropped last week. Mm-hmm. So they they were able to sit with it. Like the, the people were the, who wrote those reviews, they sat with that thing for a couple weeks at least. And they mm-hmm. listened to it and over and over and over again and really digested it. And that led to more thoughtful uh, insight on what the music was saying or, or what what direction the artist was headed, et cetera, et cetera. And and that has now been destroyed with like album albums dropping so many albums dropping every week. They put out a review that just they, they put the review out like an hour after the thing drops. You barely get <laughs> to hear it. Yeah. So you have you have no real long, long standing insight into what's being talked about. And you got a review yeah. out. And now we're on to the next one, on to the next one. And that's what the UFC feels like right now. Like, I want to sit with some of this stuff. I want to sit and, and digest it, especially from a technical standpoint, to see all the intricacies and what they do technique wise. Oh, my daughter just just came in. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Um. So like technique wise, like I want to I want to look at something and re like look at it and, and over and over again and yeah. analyze it. And, but there's no time for that unless you're getting paid to, to do it, unless you you're making a living. There's no time to sit there and really digest things. And that yeah. makes it that makes it harder to appreciate stuff in the sport if you don't have the moments to digest and the moments to reflect on, on what it is. Yeah, I agree. It's it's too fast now. I mean, the technology it's a blessing and a curse, but um, you know, talking about uh, being able to watch things and digest one fight that I've had to rewatch, and I, I talk about it with my jujitsu students and stuff last night. Um, UFC 284. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the the, the pound for pound. They're still talking about it now. So when you know when you know this pound for pound thing and the the IV situation and the middle, the whole everything going involved with the main event of UFC 284. Um, what was uh just give us your. I'm sure you talked about it in depth on, on your podcast. I know you record on Mondays, right? So, so what was your um, what was your take on um, on UFC 284? Just uh, if you want to chime um, in on, on. Oh, let's see. So, a couple of couple of angles that we could tackle on this, as far mm-hmm. as the um, the pound for pound debate. Well, actually, let let's start let's start simple first. How'd you score the fight? I scored, I scored the three rounds for Volkanovski, uh, two rounds for, for Makachev. I gave, if I'm remembering correctly, I gave Volkanovski one, three, and five, I believe. And yeah, I, I definitely gave him one because I think he was in control of one for a, a pretty long period of time until like the last minute, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think it turned it turned against him. So I, I I weighed that round for Volkanovski. Yeah, three and five. And I thought five was the most definitive round out, out of them all. Hmm. And um, yeah, what were you guys' scores? I had it three two Islam. I had him one two and four, uh, with uh, Volkanovski winning three and five. Um, that yeah, that that's how I had it. Hmm. I didn't really score like that. Um, but when I rec- when I'm when I remember the fight. I honestly, I don't disagree with the decision except outside of that 49-46. I don't know where the hell that came from. But um, the thing that, the thing, the reason why I, I understand why I went where it went is because the times that Volkanovski was comfortable with Islam on his back and joking around and, you know, throwing punches this way. I mean, yeah, you're hitting him, but you're still, you're still being, you know, your back is still being controlled by, by Islam. Um, I know he recovered from the takedowns, but they still happened. Which, by the way, the the takedown, the takedown. I have it in my notes because I wanted to mention it on the podcast. Volkanovski and Koji Takada, and now from the Ryzen Show New Year's Eve, those are the two recent MMA fighters that I can think of that handled Dagestani style wrestling better than anyone I've ever seen. 
Um, and they both lost their fights respectively, but you know, their opponents were both they visibly damaged, even though they won, they're both wore a lot of damage and they were they both seemed more tired, even though they won the fight, they still seem more tired than than the guys that they just beat with the, the again, they both got takedowns. I forget the guy from Ryzen's name, uh Khabib's guy that's competed in that first fight on the main card, uh, that beat Takata. But even after that, uh, Khabib went up to Takada and congratulated him on how well he did because he was able to reverse—he was re- reverse or counter Dagestani style wrestling—and then Volkanovski. Like I had to eat eat cr- uh, crow on, on this one because I was critical of Volkanovski training with Craig Jones for that type of wrestling, and it, it wound up working out by allowing the takedown, just uh, doing the elevator hook, same side to stop the mount. And then getting back to your feet, which I and, and on top of his athleticism and strength and stuff like that, so I didn't disagree with the decision. Um, that's where I, I I stand with the fight, but I, I had to mention that too because that's the thing that I remember the most. Yeah, it, it, it was it was a fight where you can you can very easily look at it for either guy, and I don't I, I don't think it was a robbery by any stretch of the imagination. I, I saw, of course, anytime there's a close fight in MMA, like the Twitter just twitter just explodes with robberies all mm-hmm. over all over the timeline and like i'm not trying to hear that that was a close fight and and the, the best thing about it is that they both did exactly what they mm-hmm. tried to do they they both were very successful in their game plans like um volkanovsky was was doing a fantastic job of hitting the body of <clears throat> getting being all the way in or all the way out of for the for the striking he was he was faster and, and the hand speed was was definitely a factor mm-hmm. Um, Mikachev was able to like slow Volkanovsky with with like some well-placed counters was able to get the get the fight to the ground at times and and stall against the fence like they they did essentially what they both sought out to do and it's very easy to see it for one guy or the other they, mm. there's no robbery involved it was just a close fight and so yeah. it kind of matters on what like what you value more um, but I think I think especially when you start talking to people who train like you like myself and like like you Matt like what did you train in like what sort of things do you <laughs> you favor just by your nature i know you're um you're a bjj guy so so of course a lot of the grappling stuff is going to weigh heavier to you you understand it better and you know my background is primarily in striking so that just that that just makes more sense to me you know and i i think that's really all it is now i do think though the the pound for pound discussion is where we really mm-hmm. open the floodgates for some interesting discourse mm-hmm. that that's where that's where it really start your mind starts unraveling it's like yo, you, you're trying to you think of that meme where the woman's looking all confused and it's like the math puzzles and stuff are just flying by her head mm-hmm. that, that that that's that's exactly what it feels like when you think of the pound for pound discussion with this fight so i'm gonna ask you fellas who was the number one pound for pound fighter in the world in the whole sport, or just the UFC? Well, I'm, 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 I'll say this: ignoring the fact that this conversation will be totally irrelevant when John Jones steps into the <laughs> in a couple weeks. I, I mean, based off of, I mean, I just think pound for pound so stupid. Yeah. Like, and, and my biggest beef with this, without kind of dodging that question, because it kind of goes against. Like, I, I guess I would say Volkanovski, but like at the same time, like I feel like he kind of put that on the line in this fight. And you still lost. So, like, my mm-hmm. beef isn't necessarily with the voters that put him number one. My beef is that he kind of, like, and, and it, I don't want to be disrespectful, but, like, I don't like his attitude. I, I would It would have been so much cooler if he was like, dude, I lost. I went in there. I challenged him for the number one pound for pound, and he beat me. Whether I agree with the judges or not is irrelevant. I'm, he got his hand raised. We're going to do this again down the line, and I'll win back that 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 title so for him to kind of be dodging it the last couple days and 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 change it like what is the i don't see any upside to, to islam taking a rematch like he has to finish him or beat the hell out of him mm. in order for him to go up in any value and like if sahudo moves up to 145 and fights and fights uh volkanovsky now can he lose four rounds to one but still be the number one pound for pound because he's in theory coming up 20 pounds if you go back to him being 125, you know what I mean? So like, it just, it, 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 it gets all screwy. Like I, I, and so I don't, I don't, I think it's moved on beyond the fun. It was always kind of a fun ranking. 
Like it was, and it, for history, it was always Anderson Silva or Fedor mm. or George St. Pierre. Yeah. And then it became John Jones. But like, I mean, Ngannou uh, being ranked high, like, are we going to act like if Ngannou weighed 145 pounds, he'd have any chance? Like, I mean, like the, the transition of skills and stuff. So it's really a weird, it's just, it's so, it's so weird. Uh, so I guess to answer your question, I would say Volkanovsky, but I also might say Pitbull, you know, like, <laughs> you know, so like based off the fact that he hasn't lost, I mean, he lost to McKee, but he avenged that loss. He didn't, he didn't go cry. And again, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Volkanovsky, but to me, Pitbull did the right thing. He went back, had his rematch, won his rematch. Again, questionable decision, but he won his rematch, got his slot mm -hmm. back, and he's basically number one pound for pound in Bellator. And yeah. it, probably three to five if you're looking at the worldwide MMA rankings, at least in my in my world. So, so that that's why I, I don't – it's funny that you're posing the question to us like that because like Matt just mentioned Bellator's ranking. They, they just started their, their – their ranking, their ranking is relatively new. I'm already finding it a little goofy with some of the movement that's been there lately, um, but um, I, I, I've never like thought about overall in the whole sport who I think is a pound for pound best fighter because it's hard to say because there's so many good fighters out there. Like you asked me who my favorite fighter is in the entire sport, I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, that but then I, I can tell you who my favorite striker is or who my favorite up and comer is. You know, there's there's so many guys out there and and ladies that that I think are. Are fantastic fighters but overall i mean that's a hard question to answer um for me so I, I can't just say one name because it's hard for me to think of one but as far as the rankings are concerned over at the ufc i don't disagree with uh, their pound for pound not taking on any, any uh, or at least leaving volkanovsky in number one um which i just looked it up because one of the guys that that i trained with last night tried to tell me that they had and mind you he's he was he was he's a Dagestani fellow. So of course he's <laughs> of course he saw something different than what I'm looking at. Now I'm gonna bring it up on screen just in case I know that some of the guys that train with watch this. Does he have the same barber as all the other yes, Dagestani? He fighters? Yes, he okay. does. Yes, he does. That guy's uh, very rich, <laughs> by the way. That barber is <laughs> <moving> up. <laughs> but I'm I'm bringing up the, the this is Wednesday night, the day after the class, Aiden. That that Alexander Volkanovsky <laughs> alone shows as as the men's pound for pound top ranked fight, fighter on the UFC uh, official UFC rankings. So I, I don't disagree with that because um, the thing about, like I mentioned why I agree with the decision and, and, and why I agree with him staying where he is is because he's still like the thing I said about the wrestling, but he also like, I mean, you know, you, it's weird to watch a guy win a fight and look as stressed as, Makachev looked by the time it was over. I mean, you know, there's 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 already memes and everything on the internet of him looking at the clock and you know and and Volkanovsky. I just saw a clip of him yesterday. The fucking guy went out dancing after fighting five rounds against Islam <laughs> Makachev. So I'm like, okay, this he's definitely a, a different type of human because he can do that. Um, uh, so I, I agree with 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 how the rankings turned out. It's weird though, because when the folks that do rankings, you know, when you look at who does the rankings, you, you I often like, and I've, we talked about me and Matt talked about this on the podcast in the past, but like, I'm like, I always wonder, did you even watch half of the fights that you're, you, you, you know, made a decision on these people's careers? So that, that's why um, I always liked when Israel Adesanya, when he found out that it was media folk that voted on the rankings, he had a really cool reaction that he was like, what? He's like, and how many of you all fight? Like, yeah, like he asked everyone in the room and he was just kind of like really puzzled. So that that's one classic one, one classic moment that sticks out from him. And, and only Oscar and Casey raised their hands, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like it's not a lot of people, um, but because um, I mean, but not everyone has to like Matt, Matt. Matt doesn't train, you know, like the way that I do or the way that you do. But but he um, he's he definitely has an eye for the sport because. You know, Matt. Matt goes running. He, Matt's one of the few guys I know that'll still go running to watch fights in the dog park. Like they chill mm -hmm. to, if they're still going on. Matt. Matt would rather run to that than to the UFC event because that's. Yeah, I'm an old is. school. I, I yeah. trained in the '90s and in early 2000s. I was in the no holds barred. You know, got my ass kicked in high school and knocked on a door of a UFC fighter. His, you know, kind of story. So like, mm -hmm. I, and then life changed. I, I mm -hmm. wasn't able to pursue that 
dream. I had to, I life changed, you know, the, my family, everything changed. So it, it, it you know, it, but it allowed me still to go to events and, and really be a, a part of it, yeah. help sponsor events and yeah. be a part of it. So I've, I've had, still an, have eye an eye for it. Yeah, I've had an eye on the sport yeah. since the day it started. And, and I've been as close to it as you can be without actually mm-hmm. fighting or being, you know, Jeff Sherwood, or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like the guys who created the, the media and, and get into it. So that's why I love to get out to events because it's, it's, it's my outlet to be able to be a part of the sport mm. without, you know, and I boxed a couple of years ago. I mean, I jump into it when I can, but um, man, you get old, it's hard to recover. Yeah. That, that's very, very true. I, I know that. Feeling, who are you man. telling? Yeah. Um, but, but you know what? I, I think Matt, you, you hit it perfectly and, and really Ed, you too, because you're both you're you're both thinking the same way I was thinking about this because when we do rankings, if two guys have fought head to head and mm. one of them loses, conventional wisdom says, okay, well that guy isn't better than the one who beat him. That's pretty obvious. We've had this right now. We have this situation right now in the pound for pound, but the guy who lost is is ahead. So th- that's already kind of wacky. But then the pound for pound is supposed to be if they were the same size. Well, they weren't the same size in this, but they did weigh the same size, you know, that that on the weigh-in day when it really matters what size that they are. And so now it just gets totally screwy and it doesn't make any sense. And then if you want to go even deeper, like this is where where I started kind of losing it. <laughs> trying, trying to think about this was like, well, if all things are equal, yeah, um, Volkanovski proved himself to be the better fighter, which is why he's still my number one pound for pound fighter. But then, like, well, him being smaller played some advantage in that fight. Mm-hmm. If he's smaller and he's shorter, and it was harder to get in those hips for that takedown. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's harder to to read his punches when he's shorter than you and he has a longer reach, and and, and that that angle of the of the jab coming upward, like that's much harder to see. Mm-hmm. when you know when he's a smaller guy so the smaller guy did what he could and then it, it, it just it goes into this this never-ending cycle of what ifs and that leads once again to the lunacy of mm-hmm. pound for pound rankings because they don't really mean anything yeah well, look how good he looked. Talk about. look how good he looked without having to really cut as much weight either i think that's right. another thing one fighter had to drain himself to make the, weight. <clears throat> the other guy kind of just casually dropped what 10 pounds over the last couple of weeks and, and walked into the cage more at more natural weight so the only thing that throws me off also about this rankings is is adesanya still being ahead of, of Pahea. like like so if like they did weigh the same they, they're the same division and they still have adesanya yeah. ranked ahead of him so yeah, there, that... everything everything nothing makes sense it's yeah, all none of it makes sense and it's just it's it's just utterly bizarre and and every one thing if that opinion was at least consistent like c- because we know rankings to be a subjective thing but at least at least be consistent with it mm-hmm. just be consistent and that, and that way there's some general rule to follow there's some general guideline that you can point to or some precedent you can point to and say okay that makes sense right now because back then they did they did it this way too but when you just start you just start doing it to to for whatever reason like that doesn't make any sense to me. That, that's that's mm. where that that number one ranking for Volkanovski throws me off, mm. um, because it just it doesn't align with other times where the head to head fight or or even with um with like you said with Adesanya and Pair like that's just mm. silly like that's silly <laughs> because they were two middleweights. So. Yeah, and, you know, and they have a history before the UFC where I know mm-hmm. it's not MMA, but one fighters dominated the other. So like, what are we? You yeah, know, it does, like it, they're never they're not going to have an ADCC grappling match ever in the cage so we've seen them definitely not you know (laughs) i I, i've joked about this before and and i'll do it i'll do it once again because the 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 opportunity has opened up (laughs) i want i want israel adesanya to retire from mma and then decide he's going to like play tennis or something and i want alex (laughs) Pereira to follow him and beat him at wimbledon like that's (laughs) that's going to be the next thing like he's just gonna he's just like his boogeyman for i I feel like i saw a golf meme that that Kind of, kind of did the same thing, like, like Adesanya takes off golf, and and, and they they had Pahedi in one of those silly. Yeah, he'll be in the green outfits. jacket, yeah. like, looking at him like, yeah, fam, hole in one. <laughs> yeah. but, another um, another fun little fact about old school MMA is that when Pride first started, for like their first 10, 15 inch events, when a fighter had, I think it was a twenty kilogram weight difference, <laughs> they actually like started the fight like with a with I don't they didn't they didn't really have points, but they yeah. started the fight favored. So if it was a close decision, 
they would give the fight to Vitor Belfort if he was fighting Gilbert Ivel, or, you know, like, so it, it's kind of, and that kind of is playing in the minds of a lot of MMA fans today. Uh, you know, yourself included myself, if when we talk about who probably is still the number one ranked, mm-hmm. we're kind of, we're kind of go handicapping the younger fighter or the small, the, the, the smaller weighted fighter. Um, although in pride, they didn't weigh in at the same weight which is different. And, and you were talking massive, you know, <clears throat> some size discrepancies. And Matt, and Matt, I'm telling you, you're, you're speaking my language right now because there's so many things that, and I think this even traces to like the, um, the issues that we've talked about in media mm-hmm. where like the old school mentality has, is, is still very much a part of the sport, even when it doesn't fit any longer. Mm-hmm. So like, so like, like yeah. Dana White's been able, and I'm, I'm trying to remember who, who pointed this out. And I, and I couldn't, I can't quite pinpoint it right now. Who pointed out it, it probably has been or Jay, since those are the guys I talked to about this the most, <laughs> but, but it's like Dana has, has done a fantastic job of keeping, of, of keeping everyone thinking in that old school mentality. Like, Oh, it's, 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 it's us, the sport against mm-hmm. the entire world. And we mm-hmm. need to, you know, we need to support the UFC because it's going to support the fighters and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's what's that's what's being championed, but that's kind of not what's going on. Mm. And people are still kind of riding with that <laughs> narrative and it permeates into media and stuff. Also, yeah. it's it, it's really mean. Oh, Ed, Ed Doty is the one who said that on on my show a couple weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, that, that's who said that. Um, I, I find I find that amazing. Like old school mentality is still very much a part of this sport, the sport, no matter how new school it gets in, in a lot of ways. So let me, let me ask you guys, uh, just because of like as far as. Never mind the rankings, you know, because it's all it's all a, a popularity contest when matches are made, and and, and you know, uh, a fighter's stock uh, is better than another's. I mean, whose stock do you think came out better between the two of them? I, I honestly feel like in losing, Volkanovski's stock seems to have gone up, and the options for him, you know, because he 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 can either do this fight again. And sell off another pay per view, and, and probably sell more numbers or do better numbers, whatever this one did, or he can go and do, and and unify the the one forty five title. So he like he's like like king of the hill right now, in my opinion. Uh, absolutely, Volkanovski <clears throat> definitely comes out with with the the biggest uh, boost in stock. So he could stay, and if he stayed at lightweight, it, like even if he doesn't rematch uh, Makachev right away, like if he can do that to Makachev. He can do that to a lot of the, yeah. the of the lightweight division. He can beat a good portion of the lightweight division and a and a great portion of the top ten. Mm. You know, if if that's the performance he can put on against the champion, um, then of course if he stays at one forty five, the Yaya Rodriguez fight is right there. A double, another double champ fight. Even though you can you can say that that belt, the interim belt, is is worthless, but still it's on the poster, so we'll count it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and not to mention the other line of killers that are at 145. Like if Arnold Allen beats uh, Max Holloway, oh man, you, you you telling me that Arnold Allen versus versus Volkanovski doesn't get you excited? Mm-hmm. Like there there's so many things waiting for him there. Yeah. Henry Cejudo could come back, <laughs> yeah, and and decide he wants to fight at 145. And there you go, another super fight. Like mm-hmm. so, and and then there was I think Volkanovski originally like wanted to fight at 135, if I'm not mistaken. So if he were able to to drop to 135, well, that just opens up another flood of uh, possibility. Mm-hmm. So he's playing with house money right now. Yeah. Magachev, on the other hand, yeah, he got another title defense. Uh, we got his first title defense, I should say. He's got the the, the scalp of a you know of a pound for pound um, fighter and and a champion in another division. But I think if you're someone else in at lightweight right now, you might be watching that fight. And licking your chops like that, that aura um, that that Islam has cultivated, mm-hmm. you know, since, you know, since he, you know, was knocked out by uh, Adriano Martins, like since that moment passed and we all kind of just forgot about it. He's cultivated this this air of invincibility, you know, sort of piggybacking off of off of Khabib's mm-hmm. that's sort of gone now. Yeah. And like, and that's some that's a moment that Khabib never had during his title reign yeah. or during, just during his time in the UFC period. We saw like that one round where Michael Johnson was able to hit him a few times, <laughs> and that was kind of it. Like that yeah. was that was the most weakness he ever showed. And Dustin almost had him in mm-hmm. a in a sort of maybe kind of guillotine. That's it. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> you know, we didn't have five questionable rounds mm-hmm. uh, of of Khabib getting, you know, getting out grappled in, in certain spots and getting outstruck and getting stalled out and getting out position and getting beaten to scrambles. We didn't have that with Khabib at all, like ever. So that aura of in- invincibility that, that <laughs> Makachev cultivated as a, as a champion, like it's, it's kind of gone now and mm-hmm. he can reclaim it. But there's going to be at least one fighter in a training camp right mm-hmm. now who doesn't believe that he's invincible, who doesn't have that in the back of his mind. And he's going to be training accordingly, mm-hmm. watching what Volkanovsky did and hoping he can replicate some parts of it uh, to his to his own success with um, a heavier punch. And oh, more yeah. Power and yeah, whatever, uh, whatever uh, other uh, tools are offered. Yeah. I mean, Khabib did have the Gleison Tebow fight early on where it was it wasn't great. Um that would, but that was early on in his run, and, and it was a still unanimous decision, um, despite some people questioning it a little bit back back then. Um, I have a little bit different take on this. Um, while while <laughs> I think immediately right now Volkanovski seems like he's the winner in this situation, I also think his next fight he has more pressure on him than he's ever had before because he can't lose. Like you can't have two losses in a row. Like and so, so he's his 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 is a must win fight. Volkanovski or, or and Islam on the other hand. Let's also keep in mind if Islam mm-hmm. signs to fight in two weeks, mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's going to be the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Oh, of course, yeah. Like so, so is it, while it's one and two, it's really just kind of whoever fights next is going to get that that crowning. Um, and I, I mean, as a as a historian of the sport. I think when we get we talk about the TikTok and week by week generation of a fandom and, and news cycle, when the history books are written, he's beaten the one in the three pound for pound ranked fighters in a matter of months. Mm. So like while his stock might be down slightly for this week, I think that if he rebounds and it was his first five round fight that uh, so and not an easy opponent for a first five round fight, although the weight division down. Um, I feel like he has ability to learn from – I think there's a lot for him to learn from this fight, whereas Volkanovski really just kind of did his thing, and maybe there's not much improvement for Volkanovski. Like, what would you improve on him? Whereas Islam, you go, okay, you got to get your – cardio's got to get up a little bit. Your striking looked great. We didn't expect that out of you, so keep that going. You, you've, 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 you know, he kind of dropped Volkanovski, but he dropped uh, uh, Oliveira. So his, his, his stand-up is getting there. We know his wrestling's solid. Maybe it was kind of an off night. Like, I feel like we got to see another fight for him just to go, like, was this just, was Volkanovski on his game? And was Islam just at, like, 85%? Mm. So maybe that's enough to make up that <laughs> division. But for me, the history books, when mm. you look at the resumes now, the resume still shows an L next to Volkanovski. So when, when people, you know, and fans are fickle, when we look, you know, they look back at, at, you know, fans records of fighters years ago and go, Oh, well that guy was a bum. Look, he has an L, you know what I mean? So (laughs) I, I I feel like while Volkanovski's hot this week, I don't think either fighter really took a blow uh, Mm. to their, to their, you know, image. Um, And I think, they both next the next fight is kind of going to be the one that really lays the table for where these guys are historically because you know obviously if islam comes out and lays an egg and loses to his next mm-hmm. fight then everybody's going to go yeah volkanovsky was you know volkanovsky was his kryptonite and he never recovered from that you know mm-hmm. we got we had that with fade or we had that with you know uh john jones those guys it's like well the guys they fought were bums because they went on losing streaks after they fought fade or they you know it's like no the reason they kind of were damaged just because they fought Fedor and they mm-hmm. fought yeah. uh, John Jones. You know, they, they took, you know, years off their career and they, they beat them up. They hurt these people and, yeah. they, you know, they never were quite the same ever again. So um, I, I, I think it really worked out well for both of them. And I think the UFC PR machine is just going to – it doesn't matter – it, you know, like you said, we joke about John Jones. John Jones is going to be the miraculously mm-hmm. the three days before that fight, he's going to be number one, and Gon's going to end up slipping into like the seven or eight spot. You know, <laughs> and, and and whoever mm-hmm. wins that fight is all of a sudden, you know, if Gon wins, he's all of a sudden going to be three. You know, mm-hmm. if Jones wins, he's going to come out of nowhere and be one. And and so it, it, I I think it was one of those fights where we got kind of what we it was a rare situation where we got what we wanted. Everybody, you know, it was a great fight. And, and uh, I, yeah. I really don't see a whole mm-hmm. lot of loss. Um, but for the history books, I'd rather be Islam. 
I'd rather be looking at that win, you know, those back-to-back wins in my resume when I uh, when I retire, or my tombstone's made for MMA. Mm. You know, that, those that's that's two beautiful wins back to back, and I think he deserves credit for taking those fights. He, you know, he was taking a fight in the smaller guy, but it's still a risk. It was kind of a no win, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that even more now because initially we thought, oh, it's going to be for number one. Well, he's kind of getting bashed, but he he he, he won the fight on what well, I mean, seventy-five percent. I know, I know, Aunt, you had it scored the other way, but. You yeah, know, but that's but that's a three, reasonable score. Like but it's reasonable it's, three two, yeah. and, and like you said, the you know you had the round where he <laughs> had his back the whole time, but Volkanovski was punching him. So mm-hmm. do we? You know what I mean? So I just thought it was a great fight, and I I, I look forward to actually their next fight to really kind of figure out so, this chapter of their careers. So right. do, well, I I'm I honestly think we're gonna see of Islam and Volkanovski again before we see Volkanovski against Yair, just because Yair. Is probably gonna be laid up with an injury or <laughs> or put this thing off until 2024 or something like that. And Volkanovski obviously wants to keep going. I feel like we're gonna see that before we see um we're gonna see Islam and, and Volkanovski before we see Yair. What do you think, Ant? I, I certainly hope that's not the case. Like I'm I'm so tired of immediate rematches. Mm. I, I want I, I want this to be I, I want them to not sort of blow the wad like they did with um Kane and, and JDS. Like to, mm. to put together this trilogy just fast, 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 mm. fast. And like this huge chunk of their careers, they only saw each other and Bigfoot Silva. Like that was mm. it for, for Kane. Like that's just that's just not good. Like it, it deprives us of so much more. Yair put on his most complete performance in the co-main event. They they threw a damn belt around the guy's waist. Let's let's pretend like it means something and <laughs> let and let him have a chance to, to unify. Um, and and Makachev has a line of killers at 155 that are Man. waiting to get at him. Yeah. So let let them have at least one or two fights, and then we can start talking about bringing them back together. Like and 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 if the circumstances present themselves, because say Yair goes out there, shocks the world, head kicks Volkanovski to death, <laughs> and 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 then and then what? You you mean breaks and, his foot Yair, when he does it? Yeah, if Yair decides, like, after that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's very, very likely to happen. It, and not only because Yair gets injured a lot, but because, like, open us to look like you got one of those bullet heads. Yeah. Know, like, Vander Holyfield heads where, like, you touch it and you're going to break something. Yeah. Like, um, But, like, say Yair does that and he decides, you know what, I'm going to eat a couple double cheeseburgers and I want to fight the, the champ at 155. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sign me up. I'm down for that. Yeah. You know, it, it's so many more possibilities are open. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then let's let's not forget, too. This is what I think is actually going to happen here. I think Islam is going to fight Conor McGregor. Hmm. That's what's going to happen when McGregor and Chandler fight each other. Um, if McGregor beats him, especially if, if Chandler comes out there fighting like a knucklehead and forgets <laughs> that he can wrestle. <laughs> which he which he seemed to have forgotten <laughs> he, he just he yeah. just forgot like that he's like this this world-class wrestler yeah he seems to just run there, into people yeah <laughs> he wants to go out there with his chin out and just start swinging wildly and mcgregor is even a sliver of what he used to be he'll cold cock him that'll be that and then all of a sudden mm. mcgregor is your number one contender at lightweight and then we get we get like the the caffeine free version of khabib connor too <laughs> That, so five, that was five rounds of him getting drunk around the <laughs> yeah again. yeah pretty much yeah yeah that's <laughs> the same that's probably like what's that. gonna happen um uh, but but i but no matter what the results of that that fight be that's what that's what the ufc's gotta want right like yeah that's like so much money you you get uh, could be might he might jump up off the couch and say you know what let me let me try this coaching thing again because i want to see this guy get pounded into sand yet again yeah um and then you've got this you've got this mega promotion backing this mega fight and then we can start the whole the whole parade again like that's mm-hmm. probably what's going to happen mm-hmm. and, and it sucks you, but that's probably what's going to happen yeah you mentioned Yair there in his fight my thing you know his performance aside like i felt like we kind of watched him grow up a little bit in the cage i feel like he kind of has a history of of some childish stuff and mm-hmm. and and you know, but I, I, I really, 
appreciated his attitude towards Emmett. Uh, so, I mean, as, as, as again, an old school fan who's more about the Bushido style of fighting, mm-hmm. I, I, I really appreciated his his post fight, his his uh, interview. Everything about it to me kind of made me a fan again because I was <laughs> a fan of his uh, when he first came in. He's flashy, he's mm-hmm. fun as hell to watch, but you kind of were like, okay, he's kind of a punk. Like this, maybe maybe he's kind of going down a route where you know things aren't going to be as uh, you know he's not going to. He's not going to appeal to me. I know that appeals to a lot, but um, I, I so I just want to give him props for just you know acting like a champion, and I, I thought that was uh, I thought that yeah. was cool of him. Yeah. yeah, he he definitely um he definitely leveled up, and I think I think it it matches with the complete performance he showed against Emmett. Like every threat that Emmett posed, he had a, a very clear answer for. He mm-hmm. and 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 then not only did he have an answer for it, he had an answer for it in his own style. It wasn't like he said, okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna outbox Josh Emmett. I'm gonna, you know, and I'm just gonna be super slick and I'm gonna outbox him. He didn't do that. He yeah. didn't say, okay, this this guy with, with these wrestling credentials is gonna try to take me down. You know what? I'm gonna bring in the toughest wrestlers I can into my camp, and I'm just gonna wrestle and wrestle and wrestle, and I'm gonna single leg him just to show that I can do it. Mm. He didn't do anything like that. He's he looked at his style. Yeah. He likes to do and yeah. how can i how can i alter that to match what my opponent is going to give me and and that was just it, it just made everything come together it made everything fall right into line and and it also he wasn't married to the idea of landing something flashy yeah a very simple switch kick to the liver was the bread and butter of, yeah. of that whole fight and yeah. he kept landing it okay this is working okay i don't have to get fancy just do it again yeah. Oh, work again. I don't have to get fancy. Just do it again. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. And then it's kind of flashes of old Anderson Silva in, in a sense yeah. that like he had the, the crisp striking and when he was taken down, he used those elbows real hard to the head, was super aggressive, didn't allow anybody to sleep in his guard. And then when he caught him off guard in his guard, he, he, he threw up the triangle. I mean, I, not comparing him, but like there was that little bit of like flashes like maybe his his loss to edgar and you know maybe that's the takase loss and you know, like for, for silva like maybe maybe we're watching something that could really develop into a a, a superhero almost of mixed martial arts cuz i mean that flash is, that he provides is 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 special there's very very few people that can do that mm-hmm. um so yeah and that's what the younger generation i mean you want to talk about keeping kids involved and wanting you know the 10 year olds to get into it yeah that know, that's the guy that, you got to watch that's the, the guy that's the one know? who's going to get who's going to get your son to say hey i, I want to go to this taekwondo school like that that's yeah. what's going to do it it's watching exactly. someone like him um i what i was most impressed by was how he would land the kick and then throw a punch right after with the, with his legs still in the air, because that's such a it's something that like you practice on the bag a lot. You might practice in drills and stuff like that, but you don't see it in actual combat situations too often. But it's such a good answer for someone who's just gonna charge for it with with hard counter punches like Emmett w- was was yeah. definitely going to do against Yair because hey. a lot of other people. What's up? No, I'm sorry. Okay. He took oh. that liver shot. One of those liver shots that Emmett took, like oh. you saw, it looked took... like he aged ten years after one of those. <laughs> but the fact that he didn't drop after that one first or second one that made him yeah. cringe, I was just like, "Yo, that that's, dude, a, that's tough a tough dude." dude. Yeah. yeah. And, and but you know, you know, someone like that, like they're gonna bite down on their mouth guard mm-hmm. and they're gonna come at you and just gonna swing as hard as possible. So especially you, you put a guy who thinks like that against this flashy kicker. And he's probably thinking, man, I'm going to catch that kick and I'm going <laughs> to put his lights out. Yeah. And so, you know, that's exactly what mm-hmm. if, if Emmett tried to drill everything but doing that, that's exactly who would have done just because that's who he is. Right. Mm-hmm. But instead of Yair just avoiding the situation altogether and just saying, OK, I'm going to rely on my hands because I don't want to get my kick caught. I'm going to throw this kick anyway. Mm-hmm. He's going to he's going to accept whatever whatever is on the other end of this kick. And the moment he tries to load up, I'm just going to pop him one good time. Mm-hmm. And he did everything he could after that kick to stop Emmett from, from building up his rhythm. And it was fantastic. And it played exactly into, into what Emmett offers. And it didn't require Yair to add these new layers to his game that yeah. just that, that aren't naturally him. So, I, I, th- I mean, I thought it was fantastic. That was, that was by far my favorite part of what he did. Listen. He always puts on a good performance when he fights. I just hate that every time he he 
he does so well, he like disappears for for a a, a, a long time for a Mexican fighter. And as a Mexican person that likes fighting, it aggravates me. It's it not his fault though. When he was dodging Usada, he just didn't realize. He just had to tell him, "I don't want to get drug tested," and, and it was okay. Like just, just putting your retirement papers. Just so you don't have to retire. Just be McGregor and tell him you want to you yeah. want a six eight eight yeah. month break from from drug testing. Yeah, I'm on a I'm on a yacht. You can't find it. <laughs> So well, I mean, we're we're already going over time with it with the hour. So, um, uh, and I'm so glad you made it on this podcast because again, we've been trying to get you on here. We've had Jay, we've had uh, Ben on here uh, in the past, so it was nice to finally get the trifecta. Um, can you just let folks know where they can follow you, your work, the podcast, and everything you do? Oh, of course, of course. So, of course, my Twitter handle at Ant Walker MMA. You can catch me on there. Just my opinions on fights, on hip hop, on whatever I feel like at the time. And I'm a a man with diverse tastes, and I think of a lot of random things. So you can even see a picture of the medium rare steak I cooked last night. So that's uh, <laughs> it's probably probably one of my my prouder uh, accomplishments with the bacon wrapped shrimp that I did myself. So I'm very proud of that. I'm. I'm going to poke my chest out when I walk out this room just to remind my <laughs> wife that, yes, I did that. But anyway, um, other than that, you can catch my work on MMA on point And, of course, the Living Death Show on the Walkout Network. I do also, uh, for some of the pay-per-views, me and Dan Tom of MMA Junkie, we do an alternate commentary track for the top two or three fights on the card. So uh, we'll, we'll be doing that from time to time. So, you know, watch our Twitter feeds for info about upcoming times that we get together to discuss this stuff. Fans that are interested in combat events for this weekend, really quick, uh, BKFC, Knuckle Mania 3, Friday. Uh, hell of a main event. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but Lorenzo Hunt uh, versus Mike uh, the Marine Richmond. Uh, good unifying uh, two championship fight. Diego Sanchez on the card. Uh, John Dodson on the card. Uh, should be a good event if you're into blood and guts and, and bare knuckle fighting. And then, of course, UFC late replacement Jessica Andrade steps in to fight uh, Aaron Blanchfield, which should be a hell of a main event uh, mm -hmm. for a uh, fight night card uh, at the uh, the waste of an apex. Um, <laughs> what a I, what a garbage card overall. Though. <laughs> yeah, good. yeah, but it's a nice main event though. Uh, yeah. At this point, when they're on hey, the there's apex, a, there's some here. regional MMA lights out championship ten. If you guys, uh, if folks want to sign up for Spectation Sports, one of the places I contribute to, um, there's some regional MMA going on there too. I spoke with uh, Reese uh, Brink, who's on uh, the Lights Out 10 card, and that dude lit a fire under my ass to go train last night before I went to teach my class. So uh, there is there's stuff to watch. Sean Merriman's promotion? No, no, it's funny. That's Lights Out Championship. Sean Merriman's, Sean Merriman's Lights Out Extreme. I about to say because yeah. like that's out here. Like I would, I'm like, oh man, I got something to do this weekend. I'll yeah, yeah, try yeah. to go to that. But all right, well, hey, sorry, I'm disappointed. Can't that's go. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's doing uh, March though. He's got something going mid March. Okay. Yeah, let me get some tickets for that. Yeah. All right, fans can check out the show at Combat Hour on Twitter, Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. Follow me, Matthew Hawkins, at MMA Hawk Twenty One on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter, Carbeerzal on instagram and old head carb on twitch and as always you can check out our video podcast at allaccessmma.com <laughs> check out allaccessmma.com for our video podcast mma news and mma stories i'm gonna go jump in my burgundy 300 on 22s and go listen to a little quick is the name uh to, to build up my street cred so but thank you for listening to everybody and have a good night and uh, enjoy the fights this weekend Thank <laughs> you.